to Architecting. I'm your host, Angela Mazzi. You made it. This is the landing pad for raw honesty about connecting your career with your purpose. I'm going to give you the tools you need to be an unapologetic advocate for yourself and others, because if you're here, you believe that the space we surround ourselves in matters and you're committed to project by project building a better world for all of us. If you're with me, let's get architecting. Hey there, Bright Lights. It's Angela. And I am so glad you are here with me today for this episode of Architecting. It's going to be a good one. We're going to be talking about is it you? The difference between individual accountability for things that go wrong or failure in the system. A lot to think about here, and I can't wait to unpack this topic for you. But before we do that, we have a lot of new people in the community. So wanted to make sure that you knew that in addition to this podcast, which is a free resource for all of you, head over to my website, architectingpodcast.com, because there are even more goodies there. There are three free downloads that you can get, one that will help you find your zone of genius, one that will help you figure out what roadblocks you might be inadvertently putting up for your career. And the last one is my guidebook on how to get a raise and a promotion. Everybody needs to know that, and there's some really great content there. All of that is free. And if you're liking what you hear, you're enjoying that free content, and you're wanting to dig a little deeper and work with me one-on-one as a coach, you can also sign up for a free discovery call. Do it that way. I don't let you just automatically enroll because one-on-one coaching is very different than taking an online course. You really need a good fit with the coach. I am not the right coach for everyone and not everyone who's interested in coaching is ready to be coached. Call not only helps us figure that out, but it lets me really understand what your goals are, what you're hoping to accomplish in the six sessions that we will have together and to make sure that I tailor what you're going to receive in those six sessions to your specific needs. That's why I do it that way, but I do have openings this fall. So if you are interested in working with me, getting yourself completely squared away here before 2024 starts, go ahead and check that out also on my website at architectingpodcast.com. Last housekeeping thing, did you know that there is an Architecting YouTube channel? Not only can you get episodes of the podcast, but as an added bonus, any of the interview episodes are available as videos so you can see me and the speaker talking together. Plus, there's also a lot of short content in there, some great tips, some quick overviews of some of the overall lessons from the podcast, some polls additional content that you can't find anywhere else. 
So head on over to YouTube, find the Architecting channel, and make sure you subscribe so you get notified every time new content gets posted. I am so excited to dive into this topic today. This is such a needed light that needs to shine into the dark corners of the workplace for all of us. I know in my own career, I've had many, many of these moments where I didn't think that there was any problem with how I was getting my work done or handling myself and other people felt differently, but what I was hearing didn't quite make sense. It's something many of my clients come to me with for private coaching, also something I've heard for years from colleagues in the industry. In fact, it was those candid conversations that we would have and the advice they would seek from me that led me to start my first blog, which was called The Patron Saint of Architecture, that eventually morphed into architecting and this podcast. So this is something that is pernicious in the workplace, in our industry, something I've been dealing with for a long time, and I know others have too. I really wanted to talk about this much more in depth. And there was an article that I found from Ludmila Preslova where she really targets this issue, but from a different point of view. She looks at how the behavior of individuals is largely influenced by the system, read workplace culture here, in which they are placed. Well, we don't want to say you have no accountability for what you do or how you show up because we all absolutely do. Our shadow side can get activated by a workplace system that is fighting against us. But a lot of times when there is a reported issue or somebody has a problem where companies go wrong and firms go wrong is that they look at how they can remedy the issue with the individuals involved. So they look to see who is the perpetrator and what corrective action do we need to take for that person? Who is the victim? What support do we need to give that person? They don't look at the system as a whole. Therefore, they are treating symptoms, but not the root cause. This article is a really thought-provoking way of thinking about what is really behind things. Some examples are stress in the workplace. We all know that in these times, feeling overwhelmed, stressed out, burned out is an issue for everyone. But just trying to say, oh, look at the resources we've provided. You can take yoga on your lunch break. We're going to do resilience training, things like that. Don't really get it. What is going on in the workplace that is causing the stress? It's focusing only on each individual person, not on a system that keeps depleting them. So it's kind of like 
if you have the drain open on the sink and you're trying to fill the sink by running the water. To the extent that you can have the water coming into the sink at a higher velocity than the water draining out of the sink, the sink will start to fill. But if you don't stop the drain, you're not going to have a full sink. And it's just going to be this constant need for more and more and more resources because the system has a point of failure, i.e. that open drain. And it's very, very similar in other cases in the workplace. There's chronic understaffing, yet we wonder why someone didn't meet a deadline or didn't perform as well as we would like them to have performed or why they have a bad attitude. We don't look at how the stress that that person is under trying to meet the demands that frankly are not fair or reasonable for them to be attempting to meet chronically. So it's not just a one-time heroic moment. It is chronic demands are bringing out the worst in them. And we know this. We know this from research that is done on stress. I've talked about this on many, many episodes of the podcast, that stress takes you into survival mode. The stress response shuts down higher levels of thought. It shuts down even your immune system and your digestive system because it is focused on keeping you alive. It is rooted in fear, fear of not surviving. We are expending all of our energy to being in a heightened state of anxiety, being super sensitized to our environment, dysregulated emotions because we don't really have the higher level thought to focus, to process, to regulate our system, and instead everything is perceived as a threat and as an attack. We're in that hypervigilant state. Clearly, that is not the recipe for creativity or innovation because creativity and innovation take the energy of being in the safe place, in the zone, feeling the psychological safety to share what you're working on, feeling comfortable, taking risks, failing, learning from the failure, and moving forward. That's the opposite of what happens in a stressful environment. So when we create a situation in the workplace where we are stressing our staff, it is no surprise that not only is their performance going to suffer, but their attitudes and their willingness to be innovative is going to suffer. Productivity is going to go down over time as we ask people to keep performing while we are not giving them the resources they need. I also want to point out that sometimes stress is coming from cultural expectations. Someone may believe that if they don't hit certain career milestones in a certain timeline that they're a failure. They may have pressure from their family to earn a certain salary or have a certain title. 
A lot of this can come from the culture that they're in. They may have stress from personal life issues. There is an illness or there is crisis or problems with certain family members. Those are also creating, maybe that person has been you in the past. You are going to bring that into your work environment and it does compromise you showing up as your best self. Within our system, we also have to build in the ability to communicate clearly and have the hard talks so that the stress that we don't see that the workplace may not have created, but that can still show up and impact the system of the workplace and its culture do get addressed. Another way that the system can fail is just poor leadership. As architects, we're trained how to be architects. We are not trained how to run a business. We are not trained in the art of human relations. We are not trained to be leaders. Some people are better at it than others, but there is a systemic codependency that I've talked about on many episodes as well that pervades our industry where we are focused because of that on people-pleasing, on making things right in the moment. We push each other to overperform. We create highly competitive environments, which then opens the door for problems like bullying, problems like added anxiety or lack of confidence. And what does that do? It causes our staff to over-iterate, to work longer hours than they need to to not have the confidence and the empathy to really sell an idea to a client because they're too worried about being judged. And it is never going to position any firm to really be successful in the market, especially if feeling targeted in a workplace makes somebody want to leave. And that is the biggest thing that I see is that people job hop. They start one firm and there's a halo effect in those first few months as they're onboarding, meeting new people, starting new projects, working with new clients, and it feels really exciting. But if the system of the firm is broken, they become very jaded quickly. And then it's very tempting to head off to the next opportunity that's promising something better. That's where we get back to this idea of, is it you? Because no matter how many jobs you work, you can never run away from yourself. Wherever you go, there you are. When you are not clear about what you want, what your goals are, what your needs are, then there is no way you can expect them to be met. When you are not coachable and willing to see where you did make a mistake and how you can do better, you are never going to find what you're looking for because you are not putting yourself where you can find it. 
And sometimes there just isn't a good cultural fit. And that doesn't make the firm wrong or the person wrong. But when we're not clear about expectations on both sides of the aisle there, then there can just be a poor fit that creates friction, can make the person that is not the good fit seem like they're the problem child and that they are the one who can't get along with other people or always seems to be discontented with everything that's going on. Do that check if you're having that feeling of confusion of, I don't think I'm doing anything wrong, but I seem to constantly be in the middle of conflict. Make sure that you are being very clear about what your needs are and what your expectations are. Know that you may hear that the company is not willing to meet them, in which case you would be better served moving on. On the other hand, you may find once you articulate them that a lot of these things that felt like they were really big burdens can easily be solved and you can get support. Some other interesting things from this article in the Harvard Business Review by Ludmilla Preslova are it's just part of our brain structuring that we have a bias towards explaining behavior based on what someone does or says or how we perceive their character to be instead of paying attention to the situation that they have been placed in. But we also tend to put people in groups and to assume that people in the group have similar characteristics and similar limitations. There can be assumptions made about what your interests are, what your capabilities are. That can be unfair. So you may find that you are not getting the opportunities you want because someone is assuming that as a young woman who just got married, you're going to want to go part-time as soon as you have kids. And that's a really unfair assumption, but it happens more often than you would think because of these unconscious biases. So you need to have the hard talks and you need to show your cards a little bit too. Okay to say, I don't know at what point I will have kids, but here is my plan for when I do. How can you accommodate that? And that way you are having that conversation. Neither party is making assumptions about what will or won't happen, but you're also not getting passed over because someone assumed you would want to work part-time when you may have zero intention of doing any such thing. If you are not in a leadership position in your firm and if you're early in your career, we have a lot of people in our audience who are in that bucket. This is not something where you just kind of shrug and say, not my problem. These issues are your template for having conversations with your supervisor or even with the company you work with, HR department. Conversations that we need to have if we are going to change the system of the business of architecture. 
because it is definitely a system that can create friction for individuals where there's a bad fit and rather than the bad fit being seen, the person is made wrong. Systems that enable bad behavior like bullying that gets disguised as encouragement or necessary disciplinary action, shaming of people needlessly, ignoring cultural differences that may cause someone to behave differently than what we may be expecting them to do. We really need to get that understanding of what kind of environment we are creating because the polluted water is going to poison the fish. So the first thing to do is to really focus on systems. What is the culture of your company? How are you communicating that culture? How is that culture expressed in how you structure your projects, how you communicate with your clients, what kinds of benefits you offer, what kinds of amenities you offer in the firm, what kind of mentoring or professional development opportunities. All of that is part of a system and it all works together. So you can't say we're a really progressive thinking firm and we offer a lot of great benefits, but we also say how high every time one of our clients says jump and we expect our employees to do whatever it takes to make our clients happy, no matter how unreasonable a deadline is or how many times they change their mind. The employee, on the one hand, is hearing, we care about you, but their real-life experience of the day-to-day of projects is, we don't respect you because we are never going to create a situation that is supportive for you with our clients. We're going to keep expecting you to overperform at whatever personal cost that is to you because the system of how are we going to interact with clients, what boundaries are we going to put in place, what expectations are we going to set on both sides for performance aren't clear. Therefore, the overperformance is getting triggered. Another issue is that you often don't have very diverse leadership in a firm. If the partners are pretty similar of the same generation, which often happens, tend to think alike for what they perceive as reasonable and normal to be based on their experience, and to use that as a litmus test for other people who may be struggling. They're comparing everything to what they have experienced, and this person is either meeting those expectations, exceeding them, or falling short. However, many times when we look at the people that are deemed to be falling short, we realize that had they been placed in a different company culture, they might be thriving. How do we diversify this collective cognition that Ludmilla 
cites in her article that can happen with leadership. You may have heard this even called groupthink. You have to actively seek out other opinions, other points of view. And if you don't have those within your company, you need to be talking to colleagues in the industry just so you create the right benchmarks for success and failure that really do take into account the needs of women in the workplace, minorities in the workplace, the LGBTQIA plus community in the workplace. If we don't understand the issues that these groups face, if we don't understand what their needs are, and why meeting those needs is not a luxury, but is the key to unlocking high performance on the part of every person on your staff, then we are missing a lot of opportunities. We're marginalizing people. We're only getting a fraction of what they are capable of bringing to the firm and its work. The other thing that's important is to hear from everyone. We can think that leadership holds the big vision, so they should make the decisions and be the influencers. But that misses the boots on the ground point of view of the people doing the work who understand the pain points that leadership does not who understand what's going on with a certain software and why it is or isn't working, or what's really going on at job sites with contractors. But people in the trenches often are a little myopic. They know their own experience. They know their own pain points, but they don't necessarily have the solutions or the big vision. So we need to have that broad spectrum of input that is top down and bottom up so that we can really understand what is going on on the front lines, but also have the right strategies in place to get to that future state that we want to be in. We'll lose engagement if you make changes that the staff doesn't feel are meaningful and relevant for them. Ludmilla recommends that you think about having champions for system thinking. Most of the time, we're acting using our own personal filters, and we can lose sight of the system in which we are operating. Having people that are bringing our attention back to that helping us to stay focused on what is that culture that we are really creating? What is the context in which people are acting? Can we shift the context as part of a conflict resolution strategy? So someone feels that they're not being seen and heard, and that's a frustration point what different context could we place them in that could give them an opportunity to be seen and heard, assigning them different responsibilities so they can express different skill sets, giving them a different role on the project that might make them feel like they're a better fit there and that their expertise is being used. Knowing when they're not being stretched enough 
and they need a challenge. That can happen when we have a systems-based approach that is focused on the development and nurturing of staff and save everyone the heartbreak of constant cycles of conflict. Hopefully, after hearing all of this, you have a little more clarity on your own friction points in the workplace, and you have a better sense of where your own actions might be creating the problem, and you're not being the advocate you need to be for your professional development or for calling out experiences that you're having that aren't working for you. But I also hope that you can see that it is not always you. It is also the system in which you are in. And applying the things we covered today will allow you to advocate for a better system to handle what really is the most critical workplace challenge because our people are our biggest resource. Having high-performance staff only happens when the conditions for high performance are there. I hope you have an amazing day and that this information helped you get clarity on your next steps as well as how you can have an impact on the system of workplace culture. Take care, everyone. Love you all and your support so, so much. Thank you for listening. You made it all the way to the end of the episode, which means you are committed to making yourself a priority so you can be empowered to do the work you were called to do in the world. How amazing is that? If you would like even more content just like this, please remember to subscribe so you never miss an episode. I would so appreciate it if you left an honest review too. Hey, I want you to know I'm here for you beyond the boundaries of this podcast. You can follow me on social media at Architecting Podcast or visit architectingpodcast.com to download some great free resources. Take care, everyone, and stay inspired. Mm-hmm.